Okay, let's start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo Ayariyanam Om Namo Uchayanam Namo Luwe Savasahunam Eso Panchanamo Karo Savapavapanasano Mangalalancha Savaisim Paramam Have Mangalam Paramam Have Mangalam Thank you everybody for attending this class. So I have good news. We are going to finish the Tattvartha Sutra today. So that's great. So you'll have a great uh, understanding. Uh, it's a great introduction to the book. So you don't feel hesitant about opening up the book on your own and thinking about what's in there. Uh, any questions or comments from last week? Okay, so let's jump right into it. Let me share the screen. Um, let me share the page we're on. We're going through the last three chapters. And the last three chapters are Band, Samvara Nirdra, and Moksha. So right away, again, uh, we have uh, great admiration for Acharya Umaswami. The chapter is Band, and the first two are what is bondage and what causes bondage. So what causes bondage is wrong belief, non-abstinence, negligence, passions, and activities. And what is bondage? The, the individual self, that is the soul, attracts particles of matter, which are karma, as the soul is actuated by passions. So that's bond right there. Next, the top of page 114. There are four types of bond um, according to the nature of karma, the duration of karma, the fruition of karma, and the quantity of karma that you get. That determines the bond that you have. There are uh, eight types of karma, of course. The knowledge obscuring of karma, perception obscuring, feeling-producing, deluding, life-determining, name-determining, status-determining, and obstructive karma. Top of page 115. So as we all know, those eight types of karma are divided, and the divisions are 5, 9, 2, 28, 4, 42, 2, and 5. So if you forget which ones we're talking about, it's the same order as the, they were introduced in. So first, let's talk about karmas which obscure sensory knowledge. Um, this is Nanavarnia karma, uh, karma, which is the first one, knowledge obscuring karma. So Nanavarnia karma obscures sensory knowledge, scriptural knowledge, clairvoyance, telepathy, and omniscience. Remember, you already have all of these things, and it's the karma that is obscuring these things which makes it feel like you don't have it. But remember, you're a soul and you have these things. You have clairvoyance, you have telepathy, you have omniscience, and you have happiness within you. So there are nine types of perception covering karma. Ocular perception, non-ocular intuition, clairvoyant perception, perf perfect perception, Sleep, deep sleep, drowsiness, heavy drow drowsiness, 
and somnambulism, which is committing cruel deeds in your sleep. There are two types of feeling-producing karma, the karma which produces pleasant feeling and the karma which produces unpleasant feeling. Okay, so there are 28 kinds of deluding karma. Um, so out of the 28, we're going to break it down into subtypes. There are faith-deluding karma, conduct-deluding karma, and um, passion-deluding karma. So at the bottom of page 118, we learn that karma is a part of not just humans, but animals get karma, heavenly beings get karma, and heavenly beings get karma as well. Okay, so Nam Karma. So what does the Nam Karma control? It controls your state of existence, class, your body, the chief and secondary parts of your body, how your body interacts together, your structures, your joints, touch, taste, odor, color, movement. Um, Self-annihilation and annihilation by others, remember that is when you're going to die, and I, my guess is self-annihilation is if you kill yourself. Whether you emit a warm splendor or you emit a cool luster, that is, there is an aura about you. Uh, how you breathe, how you walk, your beauty. If you're ugly, it's like I am, it's because of this karma. Uh, and how your body moves around. And remember, the very last one here, Tirthankar Nam Karma. If you're going to become a Tirthankar, then you have this Nam Karma. There are high and low types of karma, and there are five types of obstructive karma. They obstruct you making gifts, uh, you making gains in your life, your enjoyment of things, your enjoyment of non-consumable things, and how much effort or energy you have. Those are the types of obstructive karma. Okay, so each type of karma has a minimum and maximum duration. We're at the top of page uh, 121. The maximum duration of obstructive karma is 30 sagaropamas. Remember, we talked about what, how long that was before. Uh, moving on, diluting karma, 70 is the maximum duration of that. 20 sagaropamas is the maximum duration of nam karma and status determining karma. Top of page 122. 33 sagaropamas is the maximum duration of your life karma. The minimum duration of feeling-producing karma is 12 murtas. Uh, does anyone know how long a murta is? I do not know. Okay, so maybe that'll be some homework for later. So the minimum duration of nam karma and status-determining karma is 8 murtas. The minimum duration of the rest of the karmas we didn't talk about is 1 murta. Okay, so what is fruition? Fruition is the ripening or maturing of karma. That is, when they come to fruition, they leave your soul and you suffer the consequences of them coming to fruition. The nature of the fruition is, of course, dependent on the type of karma that you have. Bottom of page 123. After the fruition, the karmas fall off or disappear. That's a, a natural, natural burning of the karma. And remember, we can perform nirdra to burn off the karma before they come to fruition. Okay, so a little bit more about karma. The karmic molecules of 
infinite times, infinite space points always pervade the subtle form of the every soul in every birth. That is, they are bound to you. They are absorbed by the soul because of your soul's activity. And if your soul didn't do any activity, you would acquire no, no karma. Hey, Tim. Yes. The Murtha, according to Wiki, uh, is a division of time, one thirteenth of a day, or a period of 48 minutes. Okay, so 48 minutes. So we knew that that number was auspicious, and now we know why. Thank you very much. Next, we have punya and pap. So punya is when you get good feeling producing karmas, you will have an auspicious life, an auspicious name, and statusing, status determining, determining karma. Oh, sorry, this is not punya and pap. This is gati and agati karma, right? So four of the karmas are good and bad, and four of the karmas are bad only. Okay, so that was it. So that was bandh. Obviously, bandh, we're talking mostly about karma. So any questions on bandh? Okay, so only two more chapters to go. Um, you guys are doing great so far, and I hope that uh, we're learning something. So, samvara and nirjara, the stoppage and the shedding of karma. Great, what is samvara? Samvara is the obstruction of influx of karma. How do you do samvara? Next, control, carefulness, virtue, contemplation, conquest by endurance, and conduct. This is how we do samvara. You can also do um, samvara by, you can do nirjara by penance and austerity. I think we jumped into nirjara here. You can curb your activity. You can control your walking, your speaking, your eating, your lifting and laying down, that is your moving, your excretions. And if you control all of these things, you can control your karmas. How else? By forbearing things, by being modest, by being straightforward, by being pure, by being truthful, by having self-restraint, austerity, renunciation, non-attachment, and celibacy. All of these things are what we call virtue. And because they're virtues, they're your duty to do them. Bottom of page 128, how else can we do it? We can reflect on the transitoriness of life, our, help, our own helplessness, the transmigration of our souls, uh, how lonely we are, how distinct we are, how impure our souls have become, uh, how ashrav or influx, samvar or stoppage, disassociation or nirjara. We can reflect on the universe, the rarity of enlightenment, and the truth of the Jain religion. Why do we have to endure these things so that we stay on the path? That is the middle of page 129. Top of page 130. What kind of hardships can we go through to perform nirjara? Hunger, thirst, cold, heat, insect bites, nakedness, absence of pleasures, women, pain arising from roaming, discomfort of postures, that's yoga, uncomfortable, having an uncomfortable couch, scolding, injury, begging, lack of gain, illness, pain inflicted 
by blades of grass, dirt, reverence, and honor, good as well as bad honor. If you have conceit of learning, if you have despair or uneasiness arising from ignorance and lack of faith, these are the 22 hardships we can undergo to perform Nirdra. If you're a saint in the 10th, yes. I was just going to say, so we, we have a great opportunity for Nirjara coming up. Uh, the Amin Hori is coming up, and obviously we know that right now it's not the most convenient time uh, to host it at Derasar, but I think it'd be nice to think about how we can perform Nirjara during that time in our own way to stay home and 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 we have a principle that a part of the principle if we can follow during that time I, I think that's a great opportunity i think so and you bring up a good point about reorienting our life until things get back to normal and you know there is no more normal anymore uh whatever happens after this pandemic is going to be something different just like in just like if you remember when 9-11 happened, there was a time before 9-11 and a time after 9-11. And we never got back to the time before. And this pandemic is going to affect more people, has already affected more people than 9-11. So if, uh, it's important to accept change and to understand that change is a part of life. And that whatever, whenever this pandemic goes away, whenever there's a vaccine that comes out and everybody's inoculated your life is not going to return to what it was. And Jainism can help you with that. And Jainism tells you why that is. Other questions or comments? Okay, let's go back to it. All right. Um, so we have 14 afflictions for the saints in the 10th and 12th stages of enlightenment. 11 afflictions occur to the omniscient. All of the afflictions arise in case of the ascetic with gross passions. Okay, so we have jumped around a little bit here. We're at the page 131. Extraordinary learning and ignorance are caused by knowledge obscuring karma. So if you're wondering why you it's tough for you to learn, it's because of nanavarnia karma. Misbelief and the lack of gain are caused by faith deluding and obstructive karma. So I guess we're learning about um, the bad parts of what can happen with these karma now. So we kind of jumped around from afflictions. I guess we're talking about afflictions now. Okay, so conduct deluding karma, what can that do to you? Can cause you to be naked, cause you not to take pleasure in things that perhaps other people take pleasure in. Um, it can cause you not to have um, success with the opposite sex. It can cause your posture to be very bad can cause people to reproach you, can cause you to be a beggar, and can cause you to be not reverent or honorable. Other afflictions may be caused by feeling karma, and they can and these afflictions can occur simultaneously, of course. 
Okay, so let's talk about conduct. How should you behave yourself? You should you behave yourself with equanimity, reinitiation. I'm not sure what that refers to. Purity of non-injury, slight of passion, and perfect conduct. Okay, so external austerities are fasting, reduction of diet, begging for food, giving up stimulating and delicious dishes, being um, isolating yourself, and mortification of the body. The internal austerities, remember we're talking about nirjara, are expiation, reverence, service, study, renunciation, and meditation. That is, these are the things you can do to burn karma, which is nirjara. There are many subtypes, of course. Bottom of page 135. Learning more things we can do. Page 136. More things we can do. Being respectful to holy people. And the four orders of monks, nuns, laymen's, and laywomen. Teaching, questioning, reflection, recitation, and preaching. Giving up internal and external attachments. What is meditation? Bottom of page 137. Concentration of thought on one particular object. In the case of a person with the best physical structure or constitution, it extends up to one murta. We learned that was 48 minutes. There are There is pain, cruelty, virtuousness, and purity in the world, and the last two are the causes of liberation. On the contact of disagreeable objects, thinking again and again for their removal is the first type of sorrowful concentration. That is, if you focus on what, what you dislike, um, you will have this object, obstacle-inducing karma. The contrary in the case of agreeable objects, and that will also cause you pain, and as you wish for enjoyment, that also causes you this karma. Okay, so here's an important part. Top of page 140. These occur in the case of laymen with and without small vows and non-vigilant ascetics. That is, one of the things that humans can do is make vows. And remember, even heavenly beings or hellish beings cannot make and adhere to vows. And certainly animals cannot make and adhere to vows. And this is your weapon. This is your weapon in the fight against passion. Is that you're able to make vows and stick to them. And as you get better at it, it's like a muscle. As you get better and better at it, you're able to shed more and more karma. So what happens to people without vows? They uh, unduly concentrate on their own injuries, their lies, their stealing, and the safeguarding of their own possessions because they don't have vows and they don't understand the truth. More about meditation, the contemplation of objects of revelation, misfortune or calamity, the fruition of karmas, and the structure of the universe.
So the first two types of those are attained by the saints, that is, contemplation of objects of revelation and misfortune or calamity. The last two are the meditations of the omniscience. Again, four types of pure concentration. That is page 142. And there are three types of activities, of course, bodily activity. Nope, I didn't read that right. Of three activities, one activity, bodily activity, and no activity. Ah, here we go. The first two types are based on one substratum and are associated with scriptural knowledge and shifting. That is, one activity and bodily activity. The second time is free from shifting. Not sure what we're talking about there. Okay, bottom of page 144, again an important part. That is, the amount of nirdra, remember disassociation is what how nirdra has been translated in this book. The amount of nirdra that you can do increases innumerably as you proceed from stage to stage. That is, the first stage is you're a right believer. The second stage is you're a householder able to perform partial vows. That is, um, the five minor vows. The third stage is you're an ascetic. You're able to perform the five major vows. Next, you're a separator of passions. Next, you lose your faith-deluding karma. Next, you lose your karma, your conduct-deluding karma. Next, you're a saint with very little passion. Next, you lose your delu delusional karma. Next, you have... You are the spiritual victor, or Gina. That is, as you move to each stage, the, the amount of nirjara you're able to do is increased innumerably. We have the names of the passionless saints here at the top of page 145. And these are how the saints are differentiated. That is, the difference between the different types of saints are their self-restraint, their knowledge, the amount of sin that they do, and in the case of Tirthankars, their different states. Okay, so that was two concepts, which is why that chapter was so long. That was... Samvar and Nirdra, remember we talked about Ashrav last week. So questions and comments on that. Uh, similar, just a comment. Uh, Nirjara is opening up the top, the tap at the bottom, and removing 
moving that the water let go, assuming that our idea is to empty that that karmas attached to our soul and removing all that water uh, or karmas out of our body or away from our body. So that that's uh, example is something for me, and I think it it helps us to differentiate. Uh, that's right. So we talk about the example of the man in the boat. Samvar is plugging up the hole in the boat and Nidra is bailing out water that's already in the boat. That's very good. I think that's very helpful for a lot of people. Other questions or comment on uh, Samvar and Nirdra? So we're in the home stretch. Congratulations. We're in the very last chapter. Acharya Umaswamy saved the best until the end. We're going to be talking about Moksh, which is the last chapter. So let's get to it. Okay, liberation. Omniscience is attained on the destruction of the deluding karmas and on the destruction of the knowledge and perception covering karma and the obstructive karma. So you get rid of all, most of all of your karma and you'll become omniscient. And that is liberation. Uh, as we see next, the annihilation of all karmas is liberation. The qualities of your soul, once you have achieved liberation, are infinite faith, infinite knowledge, infinite perception, and infinite perfection. Okay, bottom of page 148. Immediately after that, the soul darts up to the end of the universe. Remember, Siddhasila is located at the top of the universe, and every time you die, your soul tries to shoot up. But your karma bends the path of your soul back downward into another body. So obviously, once you have... Uh, gotten rid of all your karma, nothing will bend the so bend the transmigration of your soul, and you'll immediately go to Siddhasila. So what we just talked about, it's the nature of your soul to dart upwards towards Siddhasila. I don't understand these analogies, but it's supposedly like the potter's wheel, like a gourd devoid of mud like the shell of a castor seed or like the flame of a candle. I understand that last one. The flame of a candle naturally goes up. Uh, not sure about the other ones. Okay, so here's a very important point, how we are different from other religions. Bottom of page 150. The emancipated souls, that is the souls in Moksh, can be differentiated with reference to the region, time, state, sign, type of arhat, Conduct, self-enlightenment, enlightened by others, knowledge, stature, interval, number, and numerical comparison. That is, we believe that emancipated souls reside separately in Siddhasila. We do not believe that um, we all return to one being or that we are all one being. We are all separate souls and will all stay separate souls even after we are in emancipated. Okay. Very good. So questions or comments on Moksh?
Okay, so what we've done in these last, uh, not the last three, but in three classes worth is we've gone over very rapidly, uh, probably too rapidly for discussion and for some of your tastes, the Tattvarta Sutra by Acharya Umaswami, as edited by the people uh, you will see in the front. And so this is one of our primary vehicles to learning the truth. That is, Mahavir Swami set up the fourfold order of the Jain system and he preached because he had omniscient knowledge. And those texts resulted in the setup of the um, Acharya system that we have today. And one of the Acharyas wrote it down, right? And so this is pure distilled truth about the universe. And so each, there are only two or three sentences per page because you're supposed to reflect on each of them very deeply. We kind of just basically raced our way through it because I want you to feel comfortable opening up the book and knowing about what you'll find inside and being confident that you can do so and you can understand what each of them means. So any questions about anything we talked about? We went over the entire Tattvarta Sutra. And now you, you'll be familiar with it and you won't hesitate to open it up when you sit, say, well, how many types of karma are there? You know exactly where it is. Or you're like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? I don't understand. I'm supposed to be a good person. But what does that mean? Well, you can open up the book and you can find out. Uh, so any questions about that? Right. I think it gives a flavor and it gives an overview of what you're going to get out of a uh, book like this or, or a grant like this. So I think it helps. For me, this was a good uh, overview of the entire um, cycle and, and, and uh, what we can get out of this is, uh, uh, if we spend more time and effort on it. Right. And I definitely am not the authority on this. As you guys have heard, I sometimes don't know what the Acharya Umaswami is talking about. And so it's good to, um, if, if you see something that you don't come across, then do your own, do research and you can enlighten me too. Uh, Mihir, you had something you wanted to go through at the end here? Okay, so why don't you go first? Okay, uh, there are quite a few, there are lots of positive things, but one, one thing that was very unique that I'd like to share is there's a photographer in our community, and basically he said anybody who's interested in taking their pictures uh, and depicting how things are going for them, uh, during, the, during this time, he said between 5.30 and 6 o'clock in the evening, set up however you want to set up outside your house, I'll uh, come drive through and take pictures from my car. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it was very interesting to see 
uh, all those photos that were posted on Facebook and how people were trying to depict um, the positive things and how they're working. And uh, these are going to be good memories at the end. Uh, some were had just, they just came out and had a smile on their face. So things like that, I think, are, are, are the positive things are coming out of uh, positive things are coming out of the um, out of this time. And I, I'm, I'm interested and curious to know what other positive things, either personally or or some general things like that, have have you seen or noticed uh, during this time. I'll go with one thing I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the fact that um, this tragedy has turned a lot of people on to who are important in their lives as far as the doctors that put themselves in harm's way, the truckers that make the food supply that happen to the grocery stores possible. I think this is opening up a lot of people's eyes as to the people that we took for granted in our society, um, for example, um, the people that we need to stay open, like the grocery store or essential services or people that clean the offices we are, we are in. We've seen them doing double duty as well. And that's what I'm really, really grateful for is that we ha people are starting to become aware of who's important in their life. Would anyone else like to share? I can go. Uh, you know, during this time, it's particularly hard on kids. So someone from our community came up with like a bear hunt or any toy or soft toy that you put in your window. And when kids go out for a walk or something in the evening, just close and write out how many they uh, saw or like, you know, different kinds. So gives them some fun and then new ideas started generating for next week. It's uh, going to do something, some, write out something by chalk on the driveway and uh, we'll try to make a word or some sort of uh, analogy to what's going on. So keeps the kids uh, a little busy and occupied in the evenings for a little bit of time that they can come out and they do observe uh, social distance as well as we saw. That's great. Would anyone else like to share some silver linings of what what they've seen as silver linings to this tragedy? I think it's a really interesting. This is Encore, by the way. Hey. Um, I think it's really useful that we can kind of uh, turn off life for a little bit um, because you know, most of the t over the last like five years, you know, Monday through Friday at work, Saturday, Sunday is events, uh, birthday parties, classes, and then back to work. Uh, so it's really nice to see that there is life does go on without having uh, a bunch of social events and a bunch of uh, having your schedule triple booked all, all the time. Right. Uh, and it also allows you to kind of respect the value of introspection that, you know, rather than just going, 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 you can sit and actually contemplate things. Uh, <laughs> and that's uh, really cool. And to see the family uh, interact and, you know, watch the bond between the siblings grow. Because when I was a kid, you know, we had uh, 
hours, like days, weeks, end to end with nothing to do but just to sit and be creative with the siblings. And I'm uh, noticing with my kids that they're uh, doing that where they have to be creative and find things to pass the time. So that's uh, one of the great things that has come of this. Right. And so when we develop a vaccine and everybody gets vaccinated, are you going to remember to not fill up your schedule as much? That, yeah, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you can find a way, so, so why do we fill up our schedule? Uh, most of the time it's, you know, for getting more experiences or getting more stuff or getting more money. Right. And now that we're realizing that we don't need all that, then maybe it will automatically play out that we don't have to fill our schedules, that we can find happiness in within. Right. Would anybody else like to share some silver linings that they saw? Okay, that's all I have for you today. Thank you, everybody, for attending. I really appreciate that. I'm letting you out early today. Um, let me know if there's something that you like that you don't like with the format or that I'm not doing right, and we can take care of it. Thank you so much for coming today.